Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Dammel and The Shark. We're brought to you by the Barnburner Podcast Network. Make sure to go and subscribe on whichever device it is that you use. Your College Hooper of the Week this week is actually a pretty recent player. I normally like to do about 10 years, 15 years, maybe even seven or eight years ago, but this guy is Rex Fluger former guard for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Notre Dame in the in the news, in the sporting news world, especially with college football. Uh, but Rex Fluger is just a name that popped up because he looks like the prototypical Notre Dame basketball player. I think I saw Dane Goodwin playing for them the other day, Cormac Ryan. So it just reminded me of Rex Fluger. He's your college hooper of the week. Make sure to check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is and make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains. Christmas is a few weeks away. We're past Thanksgiving, but Taylor, I think you and I both know that Christmas has come early and we're thankful because we don't have a sour shark. Heineke. He's a Heineke guy and we're all lucky because of it. We're all lucky 
despite the fact that the football team almost blew it by giving up an onside kick, despite the fact that they let Russell Wilson go 99 yards, Heineke, he's, if, if Heineke wants to come on Titch, he has an open invite. Shark, how you feeling, man? That's an A-list celebrity, so there's no chance in hell that we're ever going to get him to come on this show. Uh, but, I, I mean, and that was also more of like a 96-yard drive. So he didn't go the full 99 yards to come back on us. I, I, I woke up. I felt chipper. I, the whole Heineke story is just remarkable. Guy was sleeping on his sister's couch this time last year, and now he's – I think he's a top 15 quarterback in the NFL. I think I can comfortably say that. He's playing great right now. He's electric. It's like taking meth. Sometimes you're feeling great, and then he can easily ruin your life with with uh, reckless abandon at any point right after that. So I'm enjoying the ride. The team's playing well. That was a classic. I mean, anytime you're on Monday Night Football, um, everyone can experience you, and that was a perfect experience for people that don't typically watch football team games. Um, you, you had the, you had the ups, you had the downs, you had the plays that just can't be explained. Like the extra point that was taken back. Then the kicker gets hurt then he can't kick next thing. You know, it's the end of the game. All he needs a 22 yard field goal Riverboat Can't get anyone on the sidelines to do it, which makes sense. Cause the backup kicker would have been a lefty. So then if you're holding it, that's a different thing to think about. All right. So think about that. But at the same time, I'm saying you take Joey slot, you, you shoot up that hammy with every, which drug you got on the sideline. And you just get out there and chip one in from 22, or you get someone else to just punch one in there. Uh, but otherwise, fourth fourth and goal, Heineke makes a phenomenal throw again. Logan Thomas catches it. Uh, I don't know how they reversed it, but they did. That's Washington football team football. And then they go 96 on us. And then they it's two-point conversion time. We stop them. I'm up. I'm dancing. I'm two-stepping around the streets. Next thing you know, it's an onside kick. They recover the freaking thing. Uh, some rule somehow benefited us. And then they run the same kick again. And it's like no one – we didn't adjust at all. So they almost recovered it again. And then uh, – <laughs> My own. Uh, I mean, this is a college basketball podcast. We're up here talking four minutes on Heineke, and I love it. I mean, I love that guy. Well, uh, the reason why we're talking about him is because we've stated a million times the football team, and now especially Heineke, is a there's a direct correlation between that and your happiness. Not even your happiness, your availability. Right. You just tell us I'm on that's not true. Because, uh, it's kind of true. It, have they lost not via during onside? regular season? Can I, ask you, can I ask you a hypothetical? Have they lost via onside kick? Actually, have they lost after recovering? Like if they recovered a, that second onside kick, would you be here today? Honestly, probably not. So I, I know I just said that I would. It, I wouldn't let it affect my mood, but that would just be like a newfound way to break me down so if you, you keep chronicles of the football team on monday night you remember the swinging gate with jim zorn i mean even even stuff before halftime like i know i touched on it briefly the blocked extra point that it went from being 10-7 to 9-9 i mean how does that even happen you lose the kicker and, and then you go into earlier this season we're playing the saints and we have a hail mary that happens right before halftime where nobody jumps i've never seen no one jump i've never seen the kick return on the extra point i see that in college football a lot not in the nfl um I, even the couple of weeks ago, we had William Jackson, you know, get a penalty right before half to get a field goal. I mean, it's just baffling how this all this happens. But to answer your question right on point, I would let that affect my mood because that would be one of the most egregious losses of my lifetime. But generally during the season, I'm reliable and I show up when I'm supposed to be here. Uh, you guys were the ones to pivot right here that really just completely changed our, our tempo last week. Not I mean, quite my tempo. You ever seen that I mean, movie, Sue? 
Whiplash. We've roughied it before. Go ahead, Taylor. I mean, we did a couple Wednesdays in a row. You just weren't there. So <laughs> we weren't switching up the tempo. But um, I will say the reason Regular why. Regular season Tuesdays at seven is when we record. That is consistent. Except All for right. the last like th- two or three weeks, but well, um, I will because say because the two top teams in the country were playing. That's yeah, the, was... see, that's the real answer here. You guys want to adjust to what the games are good. Um, that and... one game, yeah, that one particular game, which was certainly an outlier. We didn't even get that last year with Baylor Gonzaga, which I think was scheduled for a Saturday. But yeah, man, yeah, we make ah. MTA make the adjustment. It, no. it also it also does make sense to not record during the most major games in the of the season. No, it just makes sense. You're, you're, you're missing, you're missing the point. And what I, the quote I wanted to land right there was, um, so if you'd appreciate this one to, from the departed, I don't want my environment. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want the pr- environment to be a product of me. I think that's what it is. Francis Costello. Um, what I don't understand what's better about recapping a game that every freaking channel in the world is going to be recapped. Well, right, it doesn't. Be- it doesn't. It doesn't matter the preview or the recap. It just has to be one or the other. It can't be where. But you're, you guys are living in this world where what we, if we were to record at Tuesday at seven before that game were to happen, that we wouldn't even discuss the game. You know, like what's the di- what's the difference right now? So we're recording this in two hours. Ohio State's going to play Duke. I hope we talk about that game for a little bit. Why can't we talk about it tonight? Well, I mean, we can. I'm just letting you Ohio know that State, it's an, Ohio unranked, it's an unranked team versus the number one team in the country. Yeah, well, Ohio State's going to win that game. So some I, I, some some sap's going to plug in their podcast tomorrow morning, and they're going to say, Shark, I mean, I know what happened, but the Shark just came in and said Ohio State's going to win. What a brilliant man. I bet he's a big Heineke guy. He, he is. You're the other Shark, guy. Shark, what is your favorite Conference USA college basketball podcast that you listen to? Conference USA? Yeah. I hope you're setting me up for a question here because it's irrelevant to what these ones are. I'll take um, South Florida weekly. Yeah, it's because nobody gives a shit about the teams that aren't ranked. It's they we have to cover the big games. Like no, 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 no. we're not we're not the USA Today going around like you know trying to get the AP quote. All right, we're guys that are just venture. You know, we're we're venturing into we're utility players that venture in over here. We're playing second base one day. We're playing left field the next. All right, that's what we do. If you've ever wanted to truly appreciate and understand how much of a miserable fuck the shark is, I I gave him a layup and was was applauding him and was happy for him via Heineke. And he was the one, please note, he was the one that pivoted back to a two-week-old feud between the three of us. When we recorded last week, obviously he wasn't there because of exactly what we're discussing right now. He said, I'm sure they're going to be talking shit. We didn't say it. We didn't say a word because because we had the one versus two matchup to to discuss and to cover. I had no plans on rehashing this today. I just think you're a miserable man. You got a hoodie on. You look sad. It's you're you're in the playoff picture. You got Heineke. You got Riverboat Ron. I I got a hoodie on because it's cold. out. All right. So let's let's state relevant facts here. I also was available at the right time. You guys are the ones that wanted to bring it to a different time. I'm going to stop it at that point right there. I think I've said enough about it. Uh, and if you want me to do another 15 on Heineke, I'm happy to do it. Uh, but I, I think to the general point of do I hold grudges? Of course I hold grudges. All right. Heineke holds grudges against schools that offered him second. He only went to Old Dominion because they were the first ones that offered him. Did you watch Monday Night Football last night? Did you see that fourth down pass to, to, to DeAndre Carter? Where, Here's who, what I, where's he from? Where you should know this because your team played them relatively recently and somehow catapulted you up like 17 spots in the rankings. 
uh, Tennessee, DeAndre no. Carter, Sac- Sacramento State. Oh. I I know Deshaun Hyler Hyler, the guy who was on Last Chance You. Oh, he went there. He, he transferred out to Sac- Sacramento State. Yes, oh. I've actually Hold been on, watching man. a lot of uh, uh, Joe. Shit, what's his name? The big man for Long Beach State. Oh yeah, um, I know the guy you're Long talking Beach about. State. Yeah, what are we saying there? Horrible Take. attitude. Oh, uh, I was going to say, um, I, I'd love to keep going about Heineke. The reason all this shit happened, though, is because you were playing the Seahawks, and the Seahawks can't, for the life of them, play a normal game where stupid shit like that doesn't happen. That's literally every fucking Seahawk game. Incredible that Russell Wilson has only scored two touchdowns with Jesus Christ's middle finger itself, but that's a whole nother topic. Um, because you brought it up, I'd love to... Uh, get on my pedestal about uh, East Coast bias right here, right now. Um, I bet you the only reason that Arizona was bumped up like eight spots this week is because there were probably like 30 to 40 voters that put their ballots in before they watched the Michigan-Arizona game. In fact, there were at least 10 to 15 for sure because last week, seven voters left Arizona out of the poll and not a single one did this week. That's exactly what that's exactly what East Coast bias is as it relates to uh, AP. So you're saying that the poll from two weeks ago was not accurate and that all those guys eventually woke up and realized that they played Michigan two that's, weeks ago. And um, they fixed that's it. a million percent what happened. Yeah. Cause you can't have t- seven voters that leave a team that just beat the number four team in the country out of the rankings. And then the next week there, every single one is ranked and every single one of them moved them up like 10 spots. It's precisely what we talk about is why West coast teams don't get the same love that East coast teams because that, that team right there literally beat a top five team on a neutral site by 25 points and seven voters left them out of the rankings. Well, I mean, let's not give you guys too much of a swan song here. I mean, West Coast teams were one, two going into the season. They're very highly ranked this year. People know who they are. I mean, we're not going to pry for you, Brian, pick, cry for you, Brian Piccolo. But I, I get what you're saying. That's actually a good right. theory that you're giving me. It's actual facts on like your, your, yeah, it's not, it's life. not a theory. Yeah. It's not a theory. These are legit actual facts. And, well, and I'm, the reason, and the reason UCLA Gonzaga were one and two in the country is because people wrote daytime articles at 1 p.m. about them not because they stayed up to actually watch the games well shark you just seem upset because arizona jumped tennessee regardless i i didn't think it would matter to you the time in which they did it but then i came to the conclusion and we came to a middle ground we broke bread and we said would you have been content with them jumping tennessee after the michigan one yeah and i told you i would because okay. i'm a reasonable man i've always been well no you didn't man. actually say it. you you gave me the passive aggressive stop talking to me the like you you double tapped on the text and gave me the thumbs up that's you didn't yes. actually. That means uh, yes. I, I, well, you didn't. If if you were to present that to in, in a court to, of law, if you wanted we, to present that yeah. in a court of law, is that confirmation? I I think a jury would look at that as the fact finder, and it's a. I, I think that's a assurance of yes. What do you want me to do? Write you a letter. You want a letter? You want an email? Handwritten. Yes. All right. Well, I'm, you're just not going to get that. You're when you get, get the time, when you get the time, please do that. I do. I know. I don't agree with. I, I don't agree with the rankings. But, sure. But like for for every example of we got the sleepy guys on the East Coast that don't vote. I think remember we had the we had the Taylor. I think you found this, giving you credit right here. When you can see what these people vote every single week on the ballot, so you can figure it out that way. You can expose those people. Uh, but for every single person that. You know, like a guy like Jeff Goodman, I know you guys said, oh, Goodman hates Arizona. Goodman hates Arizona. Well, then it's just a bad example. It's a bad example. But for a guy that hates Arizona to still rank him ahead of Tennessee when Tennessee was preseason ranked ahead of him, only has one loss to Villanova, who 
has two losses, yet is still within the top six, I think, at this point. So that doesn't make a lot of sense to me when Tennessee beat the bag out of North Carolina as well. Help me make sense of that. You know? Well, I mean, we discussed this last week if you were here, uh, because we were talking about. I was here. Still I, I was somehow... sitting in my chair, sitting in my chair at the regularly recorded time. You guys are the ones that wanted to go. Yeah, out actually, 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 Subi, I'm going to interrupt you because that's actually furthering my point. Is that Seton Hall was behind Michigan last week? Exactly. Right. And we discussed how useless these these rankings really are. We're just getting angry to be angry. I wanted to lead this off and set the a nice positive tone for the episode. I'm and positive. somehow I think about Please, it took about I, five minutes I'm for us to sidewind. Good. I woke up as a beautiful morning. I mean, I, it was like the, you had the little tune in the background, skipping around. I had a great morning. Everything's good. I'm not angry at all. I will say, I, I I don't want to spend more time on this game, but I did think it's absolutely egregious that Rivera. And I know you said the left the left handed left footed kicker Tressway, that whole deal. But uh, yeah, shoot up, shoot up, slide. It it just reminded me of that scene in Varsity Blues. Like John Voigt's got the running back. He's just like, shoot him up right now. And Paul Walker, RIP, comes in on his crushes and he says, don't do it, Wendell. Don't do it. Uh, Wendell did it for a high school football team in Texas. Joey Sly's not doing that, though. Yeah, I, I, we found a way to survive in advance NFL um, and college basketball. FAW. All right, let's go ahead and move on now to our guy. This is our guy. We have Since we've started this show, we've seen quite a career trajectory for one Rick Patino. He makes history as he beats Alabama. What's the historical aspect there? Well, Iona is the very first uh, MAAC. MA, how many A's did I do? MAAC team to beat a top 10 team. That has never happened before. Iona does that by beating Alabama. Shark, I want to kick it to you first. You've said, and I know this, but you tweeted it most recently after this game that Rick Patino is the greatest college basketball coach ever. Would you like to now put that out on audio? I have put it out on audio, but I'll do it again for for purposes of this episode. Yes, I do. I tweeted it after Iona beat Alabama. I know they lost a couple games afterwards, but that's not the point. The fact that he could take a team that, yes, I know they're making the tournament every once in a while, but really take one of those teams and knock out someone that was in the Elite Eight, returned most of their good players uh, last year, and just take – you could take a random collection of the probably the best high school players in the tri-state area and probably beat Boston College on Tuesday. I mean, that's how good of a coach this guy is. He's done it at every single level. Final Four of Providence. He took Kentucky to a national championship. Then he went to Kentucky's arch rivals, won a national championship there. The only reason he doesn't have the accolades of Coach K and John Wooden and Dean Smith and all these other coaches is because he left. He's an ambitious man, all right? He, he, he is – he dreams big, all right? He played, coached in the NBA, the Knicks and the Celtics. Um, he wanted to take that opportunity so he's not staying in one spot for 45 years and then getting a retirement, um, you know, farewell tour uh, when he's 60, 70 years old uh, on his way out the door. So if he would have stayed at Kentucky in the 90s and kept going, they would they would have more titles than Coach K. They, w- they would probably have, I would say, close to, I'll put it at seven national championships. I mean, that's a, that's a very, very bold claim. Taylor, were there any takeaways from this Iona win or Rick Patino more specifically? Because if we're being honest with you, I don't really care about Iona as a whole, the players really. This is about Patino because, like I said, we were fascinated even when he was in Greece. The Shark and I, I know we were we were monitoring his situation over overseas his entire tenure there, and we got super pumped when he came over to New Rochelle. Any takeaways for you? Um. 
are we the the hookers and blow thing doesn't take anything away from his college basketball no, coaching prowess? We're not we're not rooting for Boy Scouts, all right. This is a sport. Okay, we're not looking for role models. We're here to root for who is the best at coaching that sport and playing that sport. He's the best at coaching college basketball. All right. Um, Did you know also, this is a fun little nugget. I don't think it matters at all, but uh, that was the first time Patino and Bill Self had played each other. Uh, Was that in the game after that or game before that uh, when Iona ended up playing Kansas? I have a feeling it was the game after because I think Kansas rebounded from their loss to Dayton against Iona. Right, right. Um, yeah, and my takeaway, I guess, the same as yours, and that is that it, yeah, it's it's it does say a lot about Patino and his ability to like persevere and succeed in any situation. I'd consider Iona maybe to be a little bit better of a basketball school than what Shark was leading on to be, but they do only have five victories over ranked opponents ever in school history. Um, I had made the tournament like literally four or five years in a row, I think, before Patino even got there or at least close. So um, they are a decent for that level of D1 basketball. They are a a more than decent uh, school for sure. But uh, these type of wins definitely have elevated that school to maybe even a tournament win or two this year, which we haven't really seen from them before. And I agree with that. Iona, if you if you do remember, they were always that run and gun style play once they got into the tournament they play wicked fast uh patino's changed it a little bit but i mean he you, you can just watch him play I, I watched the game that they had against liberty earlier in the year as well and he's just they're a competent basketball i have no issues with putting rick patino obviously in uh, the handful maybe top five greatest co- college basketball coaches ever i'm perfectly fine with that the only issue i have is i don't know i guess rewarding him or maybe approaching it with a hypothetical style Right, so you're saying had he stayed at Louisville, they'd have seven titles. Had he stayed at Kentucky, how many titles would he have? There's no point in playing that game. You can't well, play many, that game. I mean, how many do you think eight? he would have? I I know seven is a lot. All right, so I know I think his title was in. Yeah, how many does K, had, does K have? Seven? He's got what? Five? Six? No, he's got five. 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 He's got five. So if no, Patino, I don't think he eclipsed Coach Patino K. won in 1996, and then he went back the following year, and then he took the Celtics job, and that was in the late 90s. And he's in the Celtics job and eventually goes back to Louisville early 2001 or so. Well, Wins one title with Louisville. I think all, one title at Louisville is worth two at Kentucky. So he all I would, two. But I, all I'm saying is, I th- in my mind, when I'm thinking of the best players, even the best coaches, Kay has been at one school for the most part. I mean, you can say Army, fine. But he's, he's synonymous with Duke. I don't know who Rick Pitino is synonymous with. You could make the argument he's a Kentucky guy. I would say Louisville, but I mean, I I value, I think, a little bit more in my eyes, and it's all a matter of opinion. My eyes, a guy who stayed throughout the at one place throughout the entire uh, tenure, and he built that program. Coach K built Duke. I wouldn't say I, I would say Adolph Ruff built Kentucky, right? I don't know. I, I would well, say when- I would say Denny Crum built Louisville. But when Patino took over that job at Kentucky, they were decimated with sanctions. I think it was uh, Eddie Sutton what just completely ruined it, then went out to Oklahoma State. I think that was the previous coach, but it was a disaster. Um, I mean, they were, his first two years, he couldn't recruit. They couldn't make the tournament. So he was he was completely scrambling. So I would say he did rebuild Kentucky. He um, may have I, rebuilt them, but I'll give someone credit like Kay for completely building it from ground up. Go ahead, Taylor. I won't give you seven national championships, but I will give you like 10 final fours though. 
the tournament's just too random to win that many championships. And that's nothing against Patino, really. It's really more against the randomness of the tournament. So no, he's got I, seven he's got seven final fours right now. Well, I think we can more than confidently say he would have gone to at least three more if he would have stayed there. So I'd give you ten final fours, but I, I seven national championships is is a a, a lot given how random the complete, tournament is. Completely agree. It's a bold take, but I mean, that's why I think he's real. So the realistic conservative estimate, he's won two pretty much since 96. All right. So if he had stayed at Kentucky the whole time, didn't take years off going to the NBA, let's throw, give him two more. All right. So the realistic estimate would be four. I'm calling him the best coach to ever coach the game. So I'm giving him three more on top of that. Cause that's how much, how strongly I feel about it him as a head basketball coach. That's He's, my opinion. He had Kentucky rolling when it was Mashburn and all those guys at the end. Uh, he was going to recruit his balls off. He was going to keep that rolling all through the early 2000s when schools like Maryland and Michigan State and all them were getting hot at early on. Indiana, when they showed up out of nowhere, I think that was right for the taking. Maybe the UConn thing never would have existed because Coach Patino is raiding the Northeast like you know, freaking uh, General Gates in the Revolutionary War. That well, is let, a poll. That's well, a let, reference for you right there. I, mean, well, I, I can't I can't shoehorn a song about the Revolutionary War and that if you can give me one, maybe. But I did want to ask that, you know, we always talk about who can uh, who, who rivals Patino, right? You got names like Kay, Dean Smith, John Wooden, Bob Knight. I feel like Jim Calhoun and you referenced UConn, Jim Calhoun with four titles. Uh, excuse me. He has two, right? Two or three. No, he has three, three titles. And Kevin Ollie got there fourth. Jim Calhoun gets bypassed quite a bit. Um, and I think that also speaks to the randomness of the Final Four and the tournament. Well, and if you want to use Kentucky, another Kentucky example of why he probably wouldn't have won that many national championships is probably after five years at Coach Cal at K- Kentucky, he would have said, man, this guy is going to go to a Final Four every other year. He's going to recruit the shit out of everybody. He's going to pillage the Northeast, like the whole deal. But in reality... They have, I mean, they've been, you know, extremely successful. Don't get me wrong. But again, the randomness of the tournament is just hard, even when you have the most talented team in the country, you know, almost year in and year out. But there's the distinction. Coach Cal is not Coach Patino. I mean, that that's the point right there. If Coach Cal coached Iona, would he be able to go beat Alabama? I don't think so. I really I don't. don't. I mean, he, he, he was doing some of these, or he was conducting some of this coaching at UMass as well. He went toe to toe with guys like John Chaney at Temple, who were studs in, no, in the nineties. I mean, I think I think sure. Cal could, but on a team where he doesn't is not recruiting elite NBA talent. That that's the whole point. I mean, he had Marcus Camby. He did number have one pick in the draft. All right, and then that's he goes right. to Memphis. He's got Derrick Rose, number one pick in the draft. Rick Pitino has got some guy from you know New Rochelle, New York, playing for the team that no one's ever heard of. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting, it's an interesting debate, certainly. And I do think Patino belongs in that conversation to Taylor's point. A lot of people for some reason have this holier than thou attitude that we can't include Patino in here because he was miserable with the Celtics. Well, John Calipari was miserable with the Nets. We can't include Patino because he's had some of those different uh, run-ins if we'll we'll describe it, but you're right. I personally don't care about that type of nonsense, right? We don't care if a team and funny enough, Louisville is one of them, a team, they, they win a title and then the NCAA a couple of years later says, nope, we're taking down that banner, which is what happened with 13 Louisville. 
No, we all acknowledge and appreciate the fact that Patino does have that ring under his belt. So you're right. We're not rooting for choir boys here. Uh, and I, I think it's really terrific to see his resurrection uh, in college basketball. Here's a, here's a question before I move on. Do we want to see Patino move back into an upper echelon, maybe even blue chip team or, or, or program? I personally don't want to. I, I've seen him at Kentucky. I've seen him at Louisville. I want to see him build up Iona into these sort of, I don't know, lovable. It, it's almost like Patino's coming back and and saying, look, I'm seizing this next opportunity, this the second chance that college basketball has given me. And I've built up this team that can be a, I don't know, a, a seven or an eight seed potentially in the tournament. Do we want to see Patino do that? Or do we want to see him move on to uh, uh, more power schools? I personally would go to jail for six months if that meant Patino is coaching Boston college next year. So that's a low level team. Uh, I know Patino would turn them around immediately. I, I would do six months in jail. So, yes. I, you're right, though. Uh, I'm not talking about the likes of BC. BC might be Give a me. slight, slight well, step above. <laughs> What are you talking about? I mean, I'm talking about, I don't know, the, the likes of Louisville or, so, or maybe like a top half uh, power team. Okay. How about, would it make everybody happy if, what if Ed Cooley got hired somewhere else or got fired and Patino wraps it back up around Providence? That's I think a big the enough Hyenas job. Would love that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, if you're a Providence fan, I don't know how you would not want that. I, I know Cooley is likable and he recruits and there's an energy surrounding him, but. You want results or you want to have a guy that you like? Is is Providence a big enough school for you, Shark, that that would make you happy, though? No, I mean, I'm not the one. I I, I would love to see that as well. Uh, I would love to see him show up in any Power 5 conference. I, I mean, I, I, I dis, yeah, I disagree with Soup on that. I mean, I would love to see him at um, anywhere from Mississippi State to, to Notre Dame to Virginia Tech. Why not? Do it. I, I don't think Notre Dame's going to hire the hookers and blow guy. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, again, I, I, this is probably never going to happen, and that's why it won't happen at really any, especially not private Catholic schools. But uh, I mean, we can we can dream about it. You know, people probably said Heineke wasn't going to be playing on Monday Night Football around this time last year, but look at what we got. I love it, and you know what? Mike Bray's never been to a Final Four. Ryan Kelly, whenever he goes to the Final Four, shits his pants. You know who doesn't shit his pants? And you know who does get to Final Fours? Rick Patino, that's who. Patino, this this kind of obvious to say, but is Patino the oldest sixty nine year old, like the oldest looking sixty nine year old in the country? Dude looks like he's like eighty five. Yeah, but he looks like a vampire for sure. You know who's the youngest? And this is for the shark. We're tying it back again. Pete Carroll, seventy years old, doesn't look it at all. Doesn't look it at all. But Heineke puts some age. Heineke puts some age on him. Damn right he did. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and shift focus now to another game, a huge upset, one that really didn't make any sense. I don't think anyone saw this coming. Dayton beats Kansas. One of those games where you just ask yourself, how did this happen? What led up to this? And I was on the flight. I didn't see it. I landed and I was like, am I to understand that Dayton somehow beat Kansas? And the reason is because Dayton's been terrible this season. They haven't shown one inkling or anything to tell you that they can beat a a good team, let alone a national title contending team in Kansas. If you, if you remember a couple of years ago, the Obi Toppin year, when uh, it was it was in the Maui Invitational leading up to the COVID cancellation, 
They went toe-to-toe with Kansas, one of the best games of that year. Kansas ended up winning. Dayton gets their revenge here. But like I said, they've been losing to awful opponents. I think they lost to Lipscomb at home. They've lost a couple by games, as John Rothstein says. Uh, the epitome of brutality, and yet they somehow turn around and are competitive with Kansas and beat them on a, if we're calling it a, a spade a spade, a very lucky shot, a running a running jumper across the lane. But somehow they do end up victorious here. Taylor, were you as shocked as I was when I opened up my phone and got service? Oh, yeah, I was like sc- screaming in the backyard. You know, one of those, oh, oh, type of moments. Um, It's... I'm actually, let me first off say I'm so happy for a friend of the program, Sully, my good name, because what a, what a struggle his year has been trying to cover Dayton basketball. Um, you guys made fun of me for calling a loss to UMass Lowell, a bad loss uh, a couple of weeks ago, but they lost to UMass Lowell, Lipscomb, uh, Austin P right after that. But then their wins over are over Miami and Kansas right after that. And then they go, literally the next game after Kansas and almost lose to Belmont win that game by two points. I mean, that game is not, you know, diving into the game. uh, Clearly Kansas didn't play their best ball and clearly Dayton played about as well as they probably could against the, against, you know, higher level opponents, but that's gotta be, I mean, without diving too deep back in the last couple of years of schedules, that's gotta be one of the most surprising season saving you don't think you need to save your season the last week in November, but that literally saved Dayton's whole season right there. Because if they come away, they lose that game. They have no good win the whole year. They're gone. They can, if they do play decently well in conference, top three finish, something like that. And they can at least say, Hey, we have, we beat a potential number one seed on a neutral site. They'll, they'll potentially make the tournament just because of that win. And because I, I think a lot of people end up overlooking uh, the bad losses, uh, if you know, if they play well through the end of the year. So I've never seen, I don't think I've seen a season saving win in November. Does that sound right? Does anyone else think of anything like that? Not in college basketball, but yeah, this certainly steadied the ship, but also gave them confidence that, Hey, maybe we can compete with upper echelon team shark. Were you able to catch any of this game? I saw the end, of course. The, I, that was the one Dickie V had the call on it as well, right? Or Yeah, I mean, that, that was incredible. His call was Dickie. awesome, too. Yeah, it was a perfect game for him to be there at. Um, I, I am on the record as loving Kansas this year. Uh, I think their they're team, at least they're my favorite to win it still at this point. I thought that game for them wasn't too – I'm a little concerned because they missed, like, 11 free throws. I think they were 9 for 20. Um, so that's – Definitely concerning, especially when Tabaji doing it as well, even though he had a good game. You want guys that can actually – that are your bucket getters to be able to contribute at the free throw line. For Dayton, I don't know enough about them. I don't know where they were projected to finish within the A-10 this year. I do think that you still have to do moderately well within the A-10. You can't just hope for that one big quad one win to carry the rest of the way. Just looking at their schedule the rest of the year, they still – they play at Ole Miss. They play Virginia Tech. So they're not playing cupcakes left and right. They got to they gotta probably have – I don't know, realistically, you think 19 wins would get him into the tournament with a win over Kansas? I think he may need a little bit more than that. So the the Bonnies were projected to win the A-10. Dayton was projected to finish fifth. So it wasn't like they were projected to be awesome this year, but they definitely weren't projected to be as bad as they were playing. It's going to be interesting to see how this galvanizes their group. Taylor, you mentioned the team as a whole. 
in turn, I think this actually might have saved Anthony Grant's job. And I might be doing a doomsday scenario, but let's take a step back and, and really unpack this. Anthony Grant, uh, he had one amazing year that got struck down from COVID. And at this point now, you sort of have to say, okay, everyone had to deal with that. But I think they hurt the most based on the fact that they were going to be a number one overall seed. They had the player of the year in Obi Toppin. And who knows what would have happened in the tournament. But if you take that away, Anthony Grant hasn't been the greatest successor to Archie Miller in the entire universe. And this start, I think his seat was getting relatively warm, not just a little warm. Uh, I think, and it wasn't hot, but I think Anthony Grant's time was sort of saying, or some of the fans were saying, you know what? It might be time to at least start thinking about looking for a replacement if the season's going to continue the way that it is. Now you're right. They beat Kansas, huge win. They beat Belmont. They're kind of this Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type of team. And I think what we're going to see with, with Dayton is this inconsistent play throughout December. I think we're going to see it maybe throughout January, but at some point they're either going to get incredibly hot or devastatingly cold. So I think at some point we are going to see them either really rev it across the finish line uh, or they're just going to completely die. And so if, if it's the latter, I think Anthony Grant might, his time might be up at Dayton. Uh, I think at least he, he's going to have one more season where it's like, Hey man, you got to prove to us that you're going to get results because Dayton is a good basketball school. They're a good basketball program. I think Archie Miller, they've been to an elite eight relatively recently with Archie a lot. And I had mentioned that COVID year where they were, I think, I don't know, maybe a two loss team all year, one of them being the Kansas. So I think this, this win against Kansas, of course, great for the program might've been the, the biggest benefactor might've been Anthony Grant and all of this. Yeah. I always kind of try and figure out how, major of a job Dayton is it's it's like it's like the best not major job in the country does that make sense it, it or it's in that range you know like aka a mid-major well well yeah right but like Dayton is more successful than what you would call a mid-major wouldn't I mean I would say maybe part of it is because they host the the first four so we just see the Dayton name maybe more often than other schools of that I know that has nothing to do with the actual basketball team but at least in the national eye they have the Dayton the name is on the floor more often than any other team of that level in March and they are pretty good on a you know let's say across a decade they probably make the tournament six or seven times in that time period that's better than almost every other mid-major I would imagine so I, I always struggle with how good of a job they are because they're not, they're not better than obviously most of the major, major conferences, but they're certainly better than almost every other mid-major school. So let's say they get rid of Anthony Grant. I, I always, maybe Patino goes there. Let's go. Let's go there. Let's do that. Actually <laughs> Patino to Dayton. Uh, I, think, I think Dayton would love that. I think Dayton fans would absolutely adore Rick Patino and Dayton. He might be a perfect fit for that system. He's just going to coach every school in that like kind of border area, essentially, you know, right there. Maybe if Cincinnati's job opens, actually, you know, if they have a good, oh, no. uh, a good I was, season. I, I was all in on Wes Miller, man. I'm well, a he Miller might take guy. a bigger job is what I'm saying. And then Stepping the shuffle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, I don't even know where I was going with this other than, uh, yes, probably a, a, uh, a saving job for Anthony Grant. Um, but 
that makes me think always about what Dayton is as a program. They're a very good program, but who can they hire in that situation? Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how their season plays out. I think we know exactly what we're going to get from Kansas. No, not, not a ton to be terribly concerned about shark laid out their free throw woes, but I do find, look at them obviously as a national title contender, not a shock, but it'll be interesting to see how Dayton uh, moves forward. The big game of last week, two Titans. It was Duke and Gonzaga. Duke ends up beating Gonzaga. I wasn't able to see it. I was actually jai hoeing with my cousins. I'm not kidding. I was at my I was at my cousin's wedding, and it was a wonderful family affair, wonderful get together. But Taylor, as we discussed last week, you were kind of shocked at the fact that I was going to a Thanksgiving weekend dinner, and I had to tell you, sports do not come into play at all. When it comes to Indian weddings, uh, even Thanksgiving, Indian people don't eat meat. I think one, they, they played the newlywed game and someone said, uh, who gets the leftover Thanksgiving pizza? I mean, that, that was shocking to me. Yeah, I mean, you're, we're not eating turkey, but I was not able to see this game. I was having a lovely time with my family on Friday night. Can someone catch me up to speed? It looked like a head body, head body type of game. Shark, uh, what were you most impressed with? What were your takeaways from this Duke Zags game? I don't like Gonzaga. That was my takeaway. I, I thought Duke was definitely tougher. Um, I, I think Gonzaga not having a Jalen Suggs type player, and I know everyone loves Nembhard and thought he was playing awesome this year, but Drew Timmy is the the benefactor of other people around him. You know, he's not someone that can really take over a game when he's playing a guy like the likes of what's his Mark Williams on Duke, who is just an animal. Um, and I think he struggles in that scenario. So, and then, you know, Holmgren, I, I sent out a, he's the reverse Zion. Like he, I, I know it's a popular thing, but he is just so ridiculously skinny. And yeah, he's, I know he's built like salad fingers. You guys remember and that? It, and yeah. It's just, I, I, I know he's probably, he's still going to be strong. I'm sure he works his ass off in the weight room, but you can just get tossed around when you're that frail. And I, I know he's tall and lanky and can bounce around and disrupt shots, but I'm not seeing the transcendent player that people are calling him out to be. So I was more impressed with the Duke freshmen who all seem like they are significantly older than Chet Holmgren, at least significantly more built up. And Gonchero was awesome in the first half, and then he cramped up and barely played in the second half, and they still found a way to win that game. So I like Duke a lot, except for tonight against Ohio State. Uh, that game to me felt like an NBA game, uh, especially with the amount of talent out there. Speaking of the NBA and echoing kind of what Shark just said, I think Chet Holmgren's awesome. I really don't see how he plays in the NBA next year, though, given his size, like girth-wise, let's call it. I mean, I know that he's tall and lanky, but imagine him like trying to back down like Andre Drummond in the post or something like that. Like That's just not, not going to happen. So I, I'll be very inter- interested to see how. Uh, how that plays out, but obviously that's a year in advance. Well, um, hang on, hang on, real quick. Let me ask you. Then, do you think he there's a chance he doesn't declare? I mean, he's a top. Two oh, pick. he's going. No, he's okay. going. Uh, of course, he's going to. Right. I just worry about like so. How much does he play before he's like 23 and fills out a little bit? I mean, you look at someone like DeAndre Ayton, who is the number one pick. He was a 40 year old man when he was drafted number one overall at the same height, essentially. Chet Holmgren looks like a nine-year-old that's seven feet tall. So, um, yeah, I, I I don't know necessarily how that relates to the NBA or relates to the NBA. 15 years ago, he would have been fucked. But now you don't have to play inside even as a seven-footer. So that's probably going to be a saving grace. Um, I, I'm 
continually impressed with uh, Huevos Rancheros, though. Paolo Bancaro, to me, um, from my perspective, or who I think he's a really good comp of is Carmelo Anthony. I I think he's taller than Carmelo was, but he's kind of got that same body type where he's big, but he's not definitely not yoked, right? And he's kind of got a smooth pull-up game. He can get to the rim. He's not fast, and he's not he's quick-ish, but he's he can always get to a spot similar to like how Carmelo could back in his prime, or especially when he's at Syracuse, and kind of a guy that's we know he's athletic, but he doesn't. He's kind of sneaky athletic in a way. Um, so that's who that's my comp for him. I I really am enjoying watching him play a lot, and it it uh, bothers me how many of Duke's players over the last five years I've actually enjoyed watching. I know Shark doesn't love Keels, and I know he didn't have a good game the other night, but I really like watching Keels too. Just a, a I mean, he is a huge guard. Even for the NBA, he'd be a huge guard. And in college, he can just run motherfuckers over. And yeah, I think that I, come come tournament time, that's going to be huge. I just think he shoots too much. I mean, I love everything else that he brings to the game. Like, he can get to the rim when he wants. I think he shoots way too many threes. It, he honestly, he reminds me of Marcus Smart uh, a little bit. The way he plays, he just does all those little things. Is an absolute thorn in your side. And he's just tougher than everyone else out there. Just stop chucking so many threes. Taylor, I, I like what you brought up in terms of some of these Duke players and you're now coming to grips. You're having this internal conflict where you're like, I love these guys. I really like these guys. And I think the first time where I said, I'm having a blast watching Duke play and one of their players play is Zion Williamson. I don't think anyone had any ill will towards Zion, but there has certainly been a different type of recruit that Kay is bringing into Durham for the past maybe six or seven years now. I don't know if anyone's really taken a look at that, but his rosters and the type of players that he's bringing in are a little bit different. And it's not just talent-wise. It's not how they play basketball. It's just, it's a different culture, it feels like, at Duke, where they're no longer this hated, quote-unquote, corny white team, if we're being brutally honest, right? These guys have a different... Uh, mantra in, in a different culture it seems like so i can appreciate what you're saying there taylor it's it's tough to put into words which i suppose is our job right now but i have that same sort of internal conflict and it's like what's the point of disliking duke anymore that you just have to appreciate how consistently great they really are and with the win against ohio state actually shark they'll surpass ucla for most wins as the number one ranked team in the country well that's not going to happen I agree. And you know what? I'm glad that you're with me. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to have you following me uh, because picked Duke to win the ACC, picked Ohio State to win the Big Ten. So Ohio State win over Duke is going to be huge. Duke number one team in the country. Do you want to do you want to make any more noise, Shark? I don't think my, I don't is think my the, is my clicking back. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been just, better about just, the muting. You just thank you. You spiked your phone down like you were Logan Thomas I, scoring a touchdown. Like, what oh, are we did? doing here? Yeah. Oh, it wasn't a touchdown. We got screwed on that. But yeah. I, I mean, I got Hon- things honestly. On that here. was a touchdown. That was a touchdown. That was. There was no difference between that and the Njoku catch for a touchdown on Sunday night, was there? I told you the difference. It's me. I honestly didn't love the. Pa- <laughs> I honestly didn't love the pass interference penalty going back the other way on that ninety-seven yard yeah. drive. Uh, that, that was also horrible. But I can't complain too much. They gave us a bunch of phantom calls <laughs> in the first half too. So, so <laughs> going back here. Um, I know they talked about it, but I actually have been happy with the amount that uh, has been made of uh, Coach K's farewell tour over the last week or two. Um, it hasn't quite uh, 
hasn't quite been in our face, excuse me, as as I as much as I thought it was going to be, even with Coach K coming or uh, with Dickie V coming back. Um, I know it's still out there, but I'm less annoyed with it as I maybe had predicted I was going to be. But um, but we might get to ACC season that might change a lot. I think this is kind of like Novocaine Taylor. Right now, people are more focused on football, even college football. Wait till like January comes around. Wait till maybe the second week of January or even after the NFL playoffs when it'll focus on K. Those ACC games will come. Those rivalry games will come. It'll, it will, it will pop up. Uh, that is, that is something that I'm very confident in happening, but yes, Duke beating Gonzaga. They are now the number one ranked team in the country. We'll see how long that stays. If they do in fact lose to Ohio state, uh, Taylor, can I kick it to you now for a quick recap on feast week tourney champions? I don't, I, I don't know if you have all of them, but do you have any sort of list, uh, that we can just go over and say, Oh, wow. Yeah. They did win their tournament. Yeah, I highlighted a couple. Um, I can just read them all off, and you guys can have some reactions if you would like. Um, so the biggest one, or not the biggest one, but the one we can start off with is uh, is Wisconsin winning the Maui Invitational over St. Mary's. Um, not exactly the best field in the world at the Maui Invitational this year, uh, but Wisconsin uh, bolted up to, what, 12 or 13 in the rankings after last week? I don't know if they were that high, but they're pretty good. Right. I think we were we were making fun of them. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think they did get to the top 25 at the very least. Yep. Good showing for the West Coast Conference there, too, which we kind of talked about for a while last week. Uh, West Coast Conference at last I checked was four and one against the Pac-12 this year as well, uh, with all four of those wins coming against or, or coming uh, in double digits. So uh, also good for some West Coast supremacy. Sharks, any any thoughts on Wisconsin there? Can't figure them out right now. I'm still, I'm still feeling out a lot of these teams. I mean, they, for one second they're out there, they lose to Providence, they look terrible, and then the next they're, they're, yeah, I mean, they look like a classic Wisconsin team. So I don't know if I just made a big loud noise again right there. My mic's picking up a lot of stuff, but yeah, can't figure out Wisconsin. No comment. All right, I'm gonna have a lot. I know we're doing picks here today too. I'm gonna have a lot of no comments. I'm still feeling out the board. No problem. No, no problem. So uh, next one was the Battle of Atlantis, which I think was, you know, one of the uh, or always is one of the premier tournaments. Uh, Baylor kind of handled Michigan State there uh, to win that. James Akinjo has played extremely well this year, won the MVP of that tournament. Sub, I know that you and I watched James Akinjo quite a bit when he was at Arizona. Uh, Shark, you may have watched James Akinjo a lot when he was at Georgetown. Do you have any thought on James Akinjo and the Baylor Bears this far, thus far in the season? I was, I was looking him up already. I, I thought Akinjo was not playing too well. Isn't he shooting like 30% this year? He plays the most. I mean, Baylor's just racking and stacking everyone else. But in the, they're, they're look, they look great, obviously. But they're with, um, I think it's Tyrell is the main guy, that, the guy that's leading them in scoring this year. But I – Akinjo, I expected a little bit more. Flagler, obviously, I expected to take a leap, and Matthew Bayer is finding finding his role there a little bit more. But Akinjo, to me, is I mean, he's a three school guy. I never trust three school guys. I learned the hard way with. Well, Matthew let Flagler. me let me let me talk about oh, James he's Akinjo only two. for a second. My bad. So James Akinjo, it, you cannot just look at the stat sheet, and he's just not going to be a good shooter. That's kind of not his his deal. But that offense goes when James Akinjo is in the game. And 
his impact on the game is just not going to be one that shows up on the stat sheet, uh, especially as it relates to field goal percentage. I'm a huge stats guy, as we all know, but I don't think we can put James Akinjo into a, oh, we need more out of him just because he's not shooting well type of box there. Soup, any thoughts on that? Well, I like Akinjo. I think he's a good player, and I think he actually fits Scott Drew's system perfectly. As the And I think he's a perfect college point guard, uh, especially for Baylor. But the bigger question I have is, are we completely overlooking Baylor? Is this one of the more disrespected teams in terms of the campaign thus far? They're the, they're the returning champs. It's I, I, how many losses have they had the past three years up until now? Like three <laughs> yeah, total, right? Yeah. Like nobody talks about them, including us. And I, I we're guilty of it. We're all talking about UCLA. We're all talking about Gonzaga last year, go going undefeated, right? We're all talking about Duke and Coach K's farewell tour. We're all talking about I mean, right now uh, Wisconsin coming back into the rankings. Nobody is talking about the defending champs and Scott Drew. It feels as if we gave them their flowers for about two weeks following their national title win. And then we were like, okay, it's the same old Baylor. It's not the newsflash. Baylor is here to stay. And that's very evident. I think we need to start, start recognizing Baylor as the defending champs. And I wouldn't be surprised if in that locker room, they're saying the same thing. There's no chance that they're saying like, Oh, they don't recognize like everyone talking about, about, uh, about Gonzaga and Drew Timmy or Chet Holmgren or Bancaro or some of these new fresh faces or Kentucky again. I feel like everyone is, is given Kentucky love when nobody cares about Baylor. Same thing with Memphis. We got to start. We, we got to stop making that mistake with Baylor. Yeah. I, I, it might be a little early for that though. I mean, they, they do have Villanova coming up and they play at Oregon as well. I know they beat other PAC 12 to schools and you guys have your inherent bias, just like the rest of the media for the PAC 12. So um, that's probably playing into it as well, but we'll, we'll see. I think let me see them against these schools and then we'll go from there. Cause right now you know, they, what, they beat VCU. Good for you. You know, you know who James Akinjo reminds me of. Don't say Marcus smart. I already used that comparison. Taylor Heineke just bounces around until he finds a spot. <laughs> you know, it's not pretty. The stats don't really reflect how scrappy of a player he is, but he just gets the job done and he's got them in the hunt. Right. I mean, I, I think that's a, a perfectly apt comparison. Uh, well, here's where you're wrong. Akinjo was a five-star recruit. Heineke was a bum on the street. Taylor, Taylor Heinekenjo. <laughs> write that one down. <laughs> Enjoy that one, fellas. Uh, so do not, do not write that down. I don't want that comparison. <laughs> So the Dayton game was the um, over Belmont was the championship of the ESPN events invitational. So we've already hashed that out, but I don't remember this. Am I an idiot? I don't really remember any tournament ever called the ESPN events invitational. What was that? Previously? I mean, I, I only pay attention. I'm not sure. I, I really only pay attention to the bad boy mowers. That one, because it's a sweet name. I, but I'm sure there's a million other invitationals. Right. All right. So moving on, Arkansas topped Cincinnati in the Hall of Fame Classics, formerly, oh, excuse me, the Hall of Fame Classic powered by Shot Tracker. Any thoughts on either of those teams? I know you're a big Wes Miller guy, Sue. Repeat the, repeat the names again. Arkansas and Cincinnati. Arkansas. Uh, yeah, that was a great game. I thought Cincinnati was going to pick off Arkansas, but they did not. Uh, Arkansas just made tougher plays 
down the stretch. I think I liken them to Homer Hickam's dad from October Sky. Just lunch pail plays towards the end. Coal mining type of plays. Cincinnati didn't make those plays. Arkansas ended up getting rebounds. They made free throws. Cincinnati didn't. But I love what Wes Miller is doing. I'm a big Wes Miller guy. Uh, Arkansas, we'll see. I mean, I think all of us are a little tepid 24-7 consistently on Muss. The the October Sky reference was jaw dropping when I saw that. I just your main your your brain works in mysterious ways, and that one for me was uh, stunning to see. But hey, it's Eric Musselman. He's got all the. I mean, it's Musselman. I mean, so he, the hangover is going to wear off eventually, and he's going to come crashing down to earth, and he'll go leave that school and go resuscitate another one, and you know start dancing around and taking his shirt off and rinse repeat for the next ten years. <laughs> so wonderful. Beautiful image right there. Uh, so next one, moving on. Subi just talked about Memphis. Iowa State knocked off Memphis, uh, who was ranked number nine at the time. It was uh, Iowa State's largest margin of victory over a top 10 team in school history. Any thoughts on Iowa State or Memphis, you know, losing that game, I guess? The entire, I want to give a quick hug to the entire state of Iowa. When it comes to basketball, I'm glad you mentioned Iowa State. They're ranked 19 after not being ranked at all in the preseason with a first-year coach for them, a new coach, TJ Otzelberger. We talked about what's happened ever since the inception of this show. Otzelberger was with Dom at uh, North Dakota State, I think it was. Um, and Shark South and I, Dakota State. South Dakota State, excuse me. And Shark and I were saying, dude, go to a new job. Use this as a stepping stone. He did that with UNLV. He then goes to Iowa State. This is a huge win, and I think a really good uh, start for the Hawkeyes. They've also beat Oregon State, who went to the Elite Eight last year, handled Xavier, your team, Shark, and, of course, Memphis. So good for Iowa State. And let me just veer off real quick about Iowa. Hawkeyes are 7-0, and and this is a great sign post-Luca Garza era. Bohannon back for his 50th year. Joe Toussaint hits the game winner against UVA. They got Purdue, Illinois, and Iowa State coming up as their next three games. So let's see how real they are. But it's a good time to be a basketball fan in the state of Iowa. It's better. And I feel as if Iowa is either really good and Iowa State sucks or vice versa. It's great when those two teams are both simultaneously good. I'm going to apologize to all of our Iowa State listeners that you just called them the Hawkeyes and not the Cyclones when talking about them. One Did time. I? No, I and, thought and then I, you, I thought and then I you came back and, and then you came back. Yes, but I just want to apologize to all of our Iowa State uh, listeners out My there. Bad. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Shark, anything else to add on that? Actually, uh, that was going to lead into my hug, so I'm going to refrain from comment on this one right here. Got it. And here's another team then wrapping this up is uh, that we've talked about already a couple times uh, on this episode. Florida eked out a wonderful game against Ohio State. Uh, buzzer beater uh, that we haven't even talked about yet. Um, and that was uh, the Fort Myers tip-off. Um, also, actually, the second-place game in that tournament was Seton Hall over California. California's garbage, but Seton Hall uh, barely lost to Ohio State uh, to get to that championship game. Uh, you guys are very high on Ohio State. How high are you guys on Florida? They've... Uh... They've been surprising me. Uh, they might be the best team in Florida. A lot of people might have thought it was Florida State. But, yeah, Florida with a great win over Ohio State. Really tough, really tough week for the Buckeye State. They could use that win against Duke tonight. Uh, but a great game nonetheless. I mean, that was one of those, this is what I call cinema, Farmer Fran type of games. Uh, good on Florida. And they continue to be Ohio State's daddy going all the way back to 2007. 
Florida's good. I mean, I, I, they're a game tomorrow night. I was thinking about picking them. They play Oklahoma. That'll be a good test for them. But Florida's definitely nasty. Colin Castleton's playing good. Applebee's shooting the ball well. Um, I, I've always liked Florida. So we'll see how they do tomorrow night. Good stuff, T. Thank you for the recap. Let's finish it up now with a couple segments and the glorious return of Please, Sir, I Want Some More. Please, sir, I want some more. What? What? Ask for more. Now, as a reminder, this is basically the Shark and, and Taylor giving you some betting picks. Shark, let's kick it off to you. Yeah, why don't why don't you do these at all? You ever think about that? What you don't want to put yourself out there? You're scared. I'm not a betting man. You ever seen you ever seen a hitch? I'm not a betting man. I'm not a tweeting man, but I am just a man who tweets. That's Same. what I am. You ever, you yeah, I've seen, seen hitch. hitch. I love hitch. Okay, you've seen hitch. You know when Will Smith goes to even Mendez. Or, or even Kevin James, he says, with love, you've got to jump and hope to God you could swoop. Something like that. Splice that in if you can. All right, give, give me a splice right there. Because that's what people do. They leap and hope to God they can fly. Ah. Ah. Because otherwise, we just drop like a rock, wondering the whole way down. Why? In the hell did I jump? Also learn that lesson and maybe throw some bets down. But here I'm at. Okay. I did not know we were doing this segment, but I am reacting. So last year, obviously, I was about 75% on Wednesday nights. Um, that's tough to beat. I'm planning to beat it again this year. So I am not going to bet a Wednesday night game today. I need to get more data. All right. Got to collect more data. Got to get more intel. Hopefully by mid-December, Christmas, going into the new year, we'll be clicking on Wednesday nights like it's a trivia night or something like that. But hoping for Wednesday night there. Sorry about the noise. Um, I am going to speculate out. I'm sorry. Sorry. All right. So I'm (laughs) speculating out later in the week, which means I don't know the lines on this. All right. I'm going blind line on all of these picks. Blind line picks. The first one is on Thursday night. And this is, you know, this is my first bet of the year. And this is just a straight hate. I'm going against your boys, Arizona. I don't care what the line is. You're playing Washington. It is in Tucson. Sub, a long time ago, you whispered to me. You said, we struggle with Washington. We struggle with that zone. I looked at your numbers. I crunched the numbers. You guys don't really shoot the three all too well. I also crunched a a couple further numbers and realized that Terrell Brown, you familiar with that guy? A little bit. Actually, we were talking about him pregame or pre-show. Well, he's going to light you up like a Christmas tree that you just purchased this evening, Sue. All right. Terrell Brown is coming home and he's going to keep it within the number. I don't know what the number is, but I'm calling Washington. That's my first pick. Then we're going to move to Friday night. I'm a little nervous about what I'm observing right now because I know Purdue is kind of beating the shit out of Florida State. Not surprised because Leonard Hamilton is probably playing 17 guys and the guys in the second mode of the arena right now. But Purdue is playing Iowa. I don't know what the line is on this one. All I know is Purdue is going to beat the living shit out of Iowa. So hopefully it's like 11 or 12. Iowa's off that big win the other night. They got Keegan Murray. They're scoring points. Everyone's excited about it. But Purdue will just beat the living puke out of you. So I I like Purdue. They got Trayvon Williams coming off the bench, which is just shocking to me. Uh, But I I like that team a lot. I think they'll play defense. Iowa is – they got Bohannon, but that old man's knees are going to break down, and I just don't think they have the toughness to bang around with Edie and everyone else inside. So I'm going to go Purdue, blind line again. Final blind line is on Saturday. All right. This is just strict coaching bet. Ole Miss is playing Memphis. Penny Hardaway 
is a butt cheeks coach. Kermit Davis is a phenomenal coach. Defensively, I think you got all these guys playing hero ball on Memphis right now. They lost. All right. They lost to Iowa State already. Um, this is truly concerning. And I, I think Kermit Davis is a guy. Memphis, uh, Ole Miss is trying to make a tournament this year. They're returning Jarkel Joyner. They, they play great defense. Defense is something that can lock up guys that are trying to be too individualistic. They're going to get points. It's a lazy 11 a.m. start for in Oxford. I like Ole Miss in that one as well. So give me Purdue, Washington, and Ole Miss. I like it. Taylor, rapid fire. What do we got for uh, for your bets? Yeah, I like how the guy who uh, gave us a hard time about doing the show on different nights forgot that we do the same segment every fucking show for over a year. But I'll go through these quickly. Uh, I'm doing Oklahoma State to, uh, tonight uh, over Wichita State. I don't think fairly highly of Wichita State. The line is six and a half. Um, I think Wichita State only uh, has that line so small because they did uh, make a pretty good comeback against a now-ranked Arizona team. Uh, but I will be taking Oklahoma State at home, minus six and a half. Uh, I'm going to take Villanova, minus 16 and a half against Penn. Um, Penn, there's nothing really more to say about this game than Villanova needs uh, kind of a get-right type of game, and Penn is just not a good basketball team. Uh, Villanova to hammer Penn uh, by more than 16 and a half. And then I'm actually going to the other side of the state of Washington and also taking a Washington team. And that's Wazoo plus one at ASU. ASU is horrifyingly bad this year. Um, and Wazoo is actually sneaky decent, despite the fact they just wa- lost to Eastern Washington this last week, who's actually also sneaky decent as well. Uh, a- ASU has like no identity right now. Bobby Hurley is in complete turmoil. Uh, so I'm going to take Wazoo on the road plus one. Absolutely lovely stuff. It's good to be back, gentlemen. Let's go ahead and finish it up now real quick with your old as fuck, and then I'll get your hugs, and then we'll finish it up. Uh, You're old as fuck. Old as fuck. Jamal Mashburn, Jr. at New Mexico. Did you guys know Jamal Mashburn's kid is playing at New Mexico? Uh, Making me feel very old. Jamal Mashburn, a terrific player for the Charlotte Hornets. I think he was with the Heat for a little bit. Uh, You had actually referenced him earlier in the program there, Shark. So his kid now playing at New Mexico alongside. And you know what? New Mexico might be the year old as fuck team because he is alongside Jalen House, son of Eddie House. And he's playing for Richard Patino, son of, well, we spent plenty of time talking about him, Rick Patino. So, yes, that's making me feel old as far. What, what, what was the face? What WTF? Why the face, Shark? I I wasn't didn't make a face. Hugs. Why don't I let you recover with a hug here, Shark? Who do you got? Yeah, my hug is Iowa State. They went and beat the shit out of Memphis, and then the rankings come out, and they're ranked below Memphis. I mean, what the hell is up with that? You got a you got a West Coast was some guy sleeping in on that one, Taylor. I, I mean, I that's that stuff drives me crazy. How can anyone objectively look at what happened in that game when Iowa State with their transfers, um, you know, uh, Brockington and the kid from uh, Minnesota that won the tournament game, Klobuchar, the, the three point shooter? How can anyone rank that team below Memphis when they just played on a neutral court and Iowa State won by twenty? I mean, come on, you know, hug for Iowa State. I see it. Good win. They also beat my team, Xavier, who we know I said could go to the Final Four. So hug for them on that, too. Taylor, you got any hugs? I do. This one's actually a little old, and I apologize about that. It's from 
early in the week last week before last week's episode. Um, but did we talk about the Southern Utah California game and how the scorers got the score wrong? Absolutely not. I did not talk about the Southern Utah. Cal- okay. So Southern Utah, California is awful, but Southern California or Southern Utah lost in double overtime after the scores did not count one of their free throws in during regular time and then ended up and the coach was like arguing with the scoring table they would not give him the extra point which they had in fact scored and then they went on to lose to california in double overtime so hug for hug for southern utah that's the ultimate hug right there yeah i mean that's 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 terrible yeah and and against like against a Pac-12 school. So you would figure this shouldn't be some like little organization that doesn't, can't figure it out, but typical Pac-12, I guess, that they can't Tip- even get the scores right. Typical Pac-12, typical NCAA. It's like a mom and pop organization. It's like Titch. These guys think they're Titch when in reality, they're supposed to be this huge, huge organization. They can't get that right. Go ahead, Shark. Quick bonus hug, just UConn fans. Sorry we didn't talk anything about UConn in the Auburn game. That was a terrific game. Uh, both teams in that one are close to being dark horses for me to go to the final four. They're both clicking all, checking all the boxes that I like to see right there, but hug for, and the Auburn fans too. Hell of a game. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't oppose if someone said that that was the game of the year. Obviously Nova UCLA was terrific. And I think a lot of that came down to the rankings. UCLA Gonzaga was terrible. You got Gonzaga Duke was really good, but this one, Auburn UConn, uh, two great, great programs and Auburn recently coming into a lot of success. I think that was a triple overtime game glad you were able to bring that up and of course hug for the listeners enjoy the rest of this week i want you to go out to your local market get some eggnog all right it is eggnog season officially start drinking it and you know what get get ready for this week's games we'll catch you next time here on theater and college hoops Times contagious. I've never been this bored before. Is this the prize I waited for? Now with the hours passing, there's nothing left.